0: want to welcome you to uh, this uh, service. Those of you watching online, all of our guys at the Duncan Unit, Dieball, Nacogdoches Campus broadcast location right here in Lufkin, one church, many locations. Come on, let's welcome each other to the house today. Glad you guys are joining us. So back in 1982, uh, I was three years old and uh, Atari was, was hot and I mean, the, the thing to have. And uh, from Pitfall to Space Invaders to Pong, and uh, like there was all kinds of great games. One of them, 1982, was Dig Dug. And uh, we spelled it a little differently because I wanna talk about Dug today, Dig Dug. But the name was Dig Dug, and it was all about this, the world is in utter chaos, and all of these monsters from, the, from down under, I don't mean Australia, just like down under in the earth, all these monsters are coming and rising to the surface, and it's Doug's job to come down and get the monsters. And, and the way he would kill them is not through lasers. It was through an, an air tube. He would pluck it in there, and he would pump them up, and eventually they'd you know, explode. And, or you'd dig underneath a rock, and the rock would shake and would fall and land on these little green Godzillas, you name it. It was, it was uh, fantastic back in the, back in the day. Um this idea on Wednesday, I planned a whole nother message for you today, but man, something hit me on Wednesday morning, and it was all about what's unseen, about the different layers that we have to develop in our life. And the idea of Dig Dug kind of hit, hit me. And so uh, I wanted to follow it and be sensitive to, I don't know if I can say, well, the Holy Spirit really said, Jeremy, you should name it Dig Dug, but but uh, the Holy Spirit does work and speaks to you in a way you understand it. And so we're going to jump right in today. And I want to take you to an Old, uh, an old Testament passage Before Jesus shows up in the flesh, completely divine and completely human, the Israelites had just, they had exodus or they had come out of Egypt and more importantly, it wasn't so much the geography of Egypt, it was the reality of their humanity, they were slaves. And they are coming out of not just Egypt, they are coming out of slavery. And they have been slaves for 400 years. And if your great-great-great-grandfather was a slave and your great-great-grandfather was a slave and your great-grandfather was a slave and your grandpa was a slave and your dad was a slave, chances are that you're going to take on a mentality of a slave. And what had happened was the Israelites, although the Hebrew children were the same as the Israelites, they were out of Egypt. They had a lot of the Egypt still in them. They were free from the geography, but they still had some mentality of slavery. You know, when Jesus saves you, you're set free. But sometimes we keep thinking like slaves. We keep thinking like people that are bound, that that are still enslaved to that sin. What God wants to teach us today is that there is a reward for walking out of that, and you can truly live in obedience, and so we're gonna to come to an interesting book of the Bible out of the 66 books. This is probably one that most pastors don't take a sermon and, and, and preach on Sunday morning because it's full of three main categories. It's the book of Leviticus. It already sounds sexy, doesn't it? What have you been doing? I've been reading Leviticus. Like, it's already a book that, that has a challenge to it, even the name of it, but it's divided into three key sections. Um, One section is rituals. In order for the Israelites to be close to God in this part of our story of God, they had to be in two categories, either clean or they were unclean. And the way to get clean was to follow the rules. So you had rituals to be cleansed if you were unclean, clean and unclean. And so, if you were unclean, you had to do rituals to be clean. If you did certain things, you remained unclean. So, there were rituals, there were laws, and then there was the priesthood. And the priesthood was designed to activate the cleansing, to act to be kind of the fulcrum in helping you start over in obedience to God. And so ritual, law, but they would break the ritual, they would break the law, they would have to be cleansed, and so the priest would sacrifice the animal there in the temple and they would be covered. Now, so, now fast forward thousands of years, Jesus comes onto the scene and he is our high priest. He, following him, is the ritual. He is the final law. He fulfills the law. He performs the ultimate ritual of going to the cross to pay for your sins. So even though we don't follow the old covenant process anymore, we see the shadow of what Jesus had come to fulfill, and we see it all written through the book of Leviticus. In fact, we see it in every book of the Bible. And so as we jump in today, we go to uh, Leviticus chapter 26, And the whole title is called Reward for Obedience. Some of you've got those those charts for your kids at home. Reward for obedience. Do this, do this. Maybe you can play Fortnite. Do this, do this. Maybe you can, I don't know, eat supper, whatever. So um, reward for obedience. And here's how it breaks down. God is saying through Moses, don't make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourselves. And do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I'm the Lord, your God. I'm not just Bobby Joe, I'm the Lord, your God. I'm saying, this is what you have to do. This is important. Now you and I can kind of breathe a little easy at first. We say, whew, thank goodness. I mean, I don't got like, you know, some totem pole. I don't have something that I'm bowing down to every day, but it may not be out of stone and goat hair. Um, Very easily, you and I bow down to the idol of self every day. We bow down to the idol of friendship every day. Um, I want to keep that friend so I'm willing to do what what I wouldn't normally do in order to stay friends. Um, I, I, I know the word of God says this, but I'm going to bow down to the idol of self because I, I feel like doing this instead. The idol of love. I, I know they're, they're not quite the right fit. I know probably I could do better. I know my mom says I could do a whole lot better, but I'm not getting any younger and I do want someone to be with and... We at the altar of the idol of love or relationship or acceptance, we bow down to those things. And God says, "I've got a better thing for you. I got one. Bow down to me. Serve me. Trust me. Honor me. That's it. Have no other gods, including yourself, before me." He goes on to say, "If you want, you want to be rewarded for obedience, you got to do this. You also uh, observe my sabbaths and reverence for my sanctuary. I'm the Lord." So observing my Sabbath, time dedicated, uh, away from everything else, time dedicated to God. And even though it's not in the actual festival of Judaism because we're not, we're not Jewish, um, and even today, that, that tends to be a little bit of a hangup for some people that they read and they start adding to Jesus, I gotta do this and I've gotta be like a Jew. That, that is not, read the New Testament and that's not what Jesus is saying. He You don't have to be Jewish to be like Jesus. Um, You need to follow Jesus to be like Jesus. But in this particular context, they were having to observe several different things, and one of them was the Sabbath. So how do we do that today without doing festivals and being uh, robotic in in what we do in order to be saved? Well, we set aside time to be with God. And maybe you've struggled with that. You tried, you bite off all you can chew this year. I'm gonna read through the Bible in the entire year and you've done that like seven years in a row and you've never read through the Bible in an entire year. Can I tell you, stop trying to read through the Bible in the entire year. Stop trying it. If you can't do it, don't do it. But if you can read three scriptures, start with three. If you can pray for five minutes, start with five. Do you know what tends to happen? People that, that need to lose a lot of weight, they don't even lose a pound because they look at the big thing and they won't take the little step because they can't do the big step. But we've learned in this series, little steps, small steps consistently over time lead to big steps over time. It just takes some process. And reverence for my sanctuary, that isn't just about walking in. I think that was just singing The Little Mermaid. Look at those feet. Anyway, keep singing. Anyway, sorry, I'm a Disney, I got kids. And I was a kid, and Ariel was my favorite princess. Ah, uh, moving on. <laughs> Let's keep going. So, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, here's what's gonna happen. Here are the, here are the good things, the, the reward for obedience. I'll, I'll send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops, and the trees their fruit. Can you see that? Send you rain. He's gonna make it rain. Make it rain. Crops and fruit. Here's what else. Your threshing, which is a a term for for harvesting wheat, your threshing will continue until grape harvest, which is not wheat, it's for grapes. So you see the bread and the wine provided. And the grape harvest will continue until planting and you will eat all the food you want. This ain't gonna be no little happy meal. This is golden corral type of blessings, everybody. (laughs) And here's a great one. And live in safety in your land. So what I wanna unpack for you today is you're not gonna have a perfect life, nobody is except Jesus. Um, And you may not, perfect may not be possible, but a better life is possible. In fact, what we're gonna talk about today as we dig in, as we dig, Doug, into what's next, we're gonna answer the phone on what God is wanting to say to us today. Here, here's Write it down in your notes if you're taking notes. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about the truly blessed life. Now I'm talking way beyond the truly blessed life that if you'll send in the $10 seed, I'll send back to you the napkin and the spring water from Israel and you're gonna get all your wildest dreams deposited into your bank account and you've been praying for Mercedes, baby, the keys are coming. That's stupid. <laughs> With all due respect, if the gospel doesn't work, in Nairobi, it's not gonna work in Wichita. It's not gonna work in Lufkin. See, the blessed life isn't about what you accumulate. The blessed life is who God is making you. It's more about who you are than what you have or what you do. God cares more about who you are than what you have and what you do. Is it okay to have? You betcha. It's not okay for the stuff you have to have you, but it's okay to have stuff. Is it okay to be wealthy? You betcha. It's not okay for your wealth to have you. And the blessed life is truly producing something on the surface, but it's not, doesn't just come like... Whoosh, full grown one morning from the surface that's a miracle but that's not usually how god operates in fact these israelites that are getting ready to go into new land they had supernatural miracle of bread landing it was called manna they didn't even know to call it bread manna means in the bible what is it that's what exactly what is what are you having for supper manna i don't know my wife cooked it it's manna i what is it Every morning they'd wake up and there would be manna on the ground. It was supernaturally provided. But I want you to know that God made it clear, I'm not just gonna, I'm gonna give you grace, but it's not just gonna be supernatural grace. I'm gonna give you systemic grace. Systemic grace, okay? You got supernatural grace. You got, you got, uh, you got uh, 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 sustaining grace, where he sustains us in the middle of our hurt, in the middle of our trials, in the middle of my my, he sustains us. But then you have systemic grace, where because we follow a process, because we take one step after the next, it provides grace in our life. God was only responsible to birth two humans, Adam and Eve. Then through the system that he creates, the system of grace of, 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 of multiplication, we then steward that system. Are you with me? Tithing is giving 10% of your income back into the storehouse. That's a systemic. God can provide for you. He can sustain you. He can provide supernaturally for you. But really, he's calling you to a different level of grace, and that is systemic grace, where as you trust him with the tithe, he provides. You trust, provides. Systemic grace. And so we see some systems. We see some digging down deep-like to understand how we get the top layer of blessings, living the truly blessed life. So let's go to number one. Number one would be part of the blessings of God in our life, living living the blessed life, is the promises of God. The Bible is full of promises. Promises of God, 7,000 promises in the Bible that God's gonna take care of this, God's gonna do that. God's gonna show up here. God's gonna show up at this time. He's, he's faithful, he's able, and the Bible is full of promises. And, and thankfully, we know those promises. In fact, the author of Chronicles says it like this, oh Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing. You've done a good job, Lord, by making known all these great promises. You know why you need to read the word? not just because it's a good habit. It's because there's promises in there that you need to prepare yourself to receive. Promises like fear. Fear's got you down. There's a promise in the Bible. Hey, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Last week, in the middle of the lobby, I talked with a young lady at 56 years old who said I was traumatized as a child and for all of my life was scared of the dark. Could not have the lights off. It was traumatizing what I went through, being locked in a in a closet um, by by my my sibling. And my it was it was a terrible thing over and over and over and over and over again. The first time I came to Timber Creek, I walked in the sanctuary, the lights went down and the music started. And at first the lights were low and I was a little bit scared. But in that moment, when the lights turned on and the music began to play, it was like Jesus told me, I'm in your darkness. You don't have to live in darkness. He goes, ever since that trauma is no longer on me. It was, I was freed from that. Can you, can you just, all locations, can you thank Lord that he is light in a dark place? So you don't have to be afraid of certain things that ought, ought, uh, normally f- make you fearful and make other people fearful. He's the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Hey, The devil's on your back. Devil been getting you down. You've been feeling attacked. Hey, he who is was in you is greater than he who's was in the world. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through him who loved us. Not you picking up your, by the bootstraps and getting your sword out. I'm gonna fight you, devil. Nah. It's through him who loved us we're more than conquerors. Finances, maybe you gotta struggle in finances. There's a promise for that. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Don't get it twisted. My God shall supply all your riches according to his needs. No, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. You You may not be rich, but all your needs are promised to be supplied. Are you struggling with anything? Struggling, you feel like you're in a pit? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Your kids start driving, is there a promise for that? Yeah, may have been for ox carts back in the day, you know, and didn't probably plan on having Nissan's for this scripture, but here's the scripture. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I'm telling you, my daughter for the first time, 16 year old driving now, I've I've been claiming Psalm 121, bless God. Hey, even dentist. you got a problem with the dentist? Open your mouth and I will fill it. (laughs) Or even a song, crown him with many crowns. Anyway, sorry, that last one was a joke. So promises of God are all through, but you don't just wake up one morning and promises are like man in the desert. We've moved from supernatural, we're moving into systemic grace. And so that process, it, it is, is all about, promises of God are about process. You got to dig in and you've got to follow. See, the, the, the scripture is clear. He says, uh, anybody that's heavy laden, anybody that's weary, I'll give you rest. But the premise or the process behind that promise is in the scripture too. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. So if you want the promise of rest, you've got to go to him. He says, I wanna heal your land. I I wanna forgive your sins. But the scripture isn't just that promise. The scripture goes like this in Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. Then I'll heal their land. Then I'll forgive their sin. Man. All of us are thankful for the gift of God that is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you don't have to perish. You can have everlasting life because God so loved the world, he gave his only son for you. But the premise is whoever believes in him shall not perish. So there's a process of gaining that gift in order to see the blessed life produce the fruit of the promises of God in you and through you. Now we keep on we keep on going through this scripture that we just read from Leviticus, and we we come we circle back around to verse four. I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops, and the trees their fruit. All right, this is the second. This is the second output. All right, the second uh, manifestation of the blessed life in your life is this fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. If you wanna live the blessed life, here's how you begin to indicate it. Uh, you indicate it by the promise of God activated and you begin to see fruitfulness in your life. Fruitfulness. But fruitfulness doesn't come on its own like manna f- supernaturally. We're into systemic grace now. We're into, we're into working now. And this is what it requires, plowing and planting. If you truly wanna see fruitfulness, if you wanna have an orchard full of apple, apples hanging on apple trees, there's gotta be someone that backs up the clock, backs up the process, and it goes Johnny Appleseed on the field, like actually plants the seed. Let, let, let's, look, look, let's look back at that scripture. I'll send you rain in its season and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. And if you're not careful, you read that and you think, bless it, Lord, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Crops and abundance and fruit. Ha ha. But what you miss is a really important piece of that scripture, okay? Let, let, me, let me highlight it for you like this. I will send you rain in its season. See, the Lord wants to send you rain. And he's going to send you rain in its season. But the rain doesn't produce crops. Rain that lands on fields that have been plowed and seeds being planted produce crops. There There are times in your life where maybe, and I'm gonna tell you, I I ask Jesus that every every time we're together on Sundays and there on Wednesday nights at Duncan and Dieball, that those are opportunities where Jesus would rain on your life and that by raining on your life, it would sprout up. But I'm gonna tell you that these Sundays, it can rain on you and nothing is produced because you haven't invested the seed. You haven't taken time to plow and plant That's why people can come to a church service and not experience any kind of transformation and keep on doing their own thing because they they have the rain opportunity, but they haven't taken the time to plant. I want to tell you, you praying for God to rain on your marriage, it will rain and it will be like rain on a hard parking lot of the Dollar General store if you as a spouse hasn't been planting seed in your marriage want our kids to grow up making good decisions. Let the word of God be the moral compass for every decision they make in life and to choose a good spouse and to live a good life and be blessed. But you gotta plant seed. And it's, and it's planting and it's plowing and it's planting and it's plowing. There are no cra- crops. and no There are no crops. There are no crops without seeds. <laughs> there, 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 You will reap what you So, if you sow discord, you'll have it in abundance. If you sow laziness, it's what you'll reap, okay? We we have to be fruitful in our lives to experience a blessed life, but the only way to get there is to plow and plant, plow and plant, stay faithful, plow and plant, plow and plant. Let's keep going. We unpack verse five now. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest. The grape harvest will continue until planting and you will eat all the food you want. There is on this part, let's write it down, number three, abundance. All the food you want. You're not begging for bread. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread, the psalmist says. Like there is an abundance. You have what you need. In fact, you have more than you need. But can I tell you, that you having more than you need is not just living your best life, living 100, okay? This is not It's not what it's about. It's about in your life, it's about consistency. Because did you notice in that scripture, you notice in that scripture they were threshing, that means they're working to get the harvest of, of, of wheat, but then they're also going into grape harvest. And then they're going back into planting. Man, I, I'm just so busy right now. God called you to be, called you to work. I start a new series next Sunday all about made for Mondays. And I'm gonna tell you, this is gonna be a great series to bring a friend, to invite a friend. Uh, over half of your life is, is, is spent Working. And many times we compartmentalize that part of our life with family time and other things. And God's called you to be just as much a steward of your work life. Your career is a calling for you. And I want to give you some very practical handlebars on how maybe you don't like the atmosphere of your place of employment you can either quit and, and, and go somewhere else, or you can add into it the right atmosphere. You can add into it and be that kind of person that we're made for Mondays. I'll unpack that later, that's for next week. Let me finish this sermon first. But you gotta be, you gotta be consistent, going, and we, 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 we say, man, I just need a break, I just need, that's good, you need to rest, honor the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath, that was in this same scripture. So there's a time to rest. But if you're tired of working hard, I wanna tell you that's part of the abundant life. That's part of the abundant life. Let me say it this way. If you consistently spend more money than you bring in, you will have an abundance of debt. You'll have an abundance of it. (laughs) You'll be looking at it like, man, I got all the debt I want. (laughs) If you eat more calories consistently than you burn, you will look and say, I have more. I have all that I need, okay? If you consistently put God first, you'll see the abundance in your life. If you consistently put your trust in him and not you, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God, you'll see an abundance of faithfulness from him as you put your trust in the Lord. Psalm one, the author says it like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Do you see the consistent progression negatively here? Let me, let me highlight it for you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That's somebody who lost their consistency because they were walking and maybe they got surrounded as they were walking, they've got this voice in their, in their life. Counsel of the ungodly. And so, uh, I'm not gonna listen to that counsel. I'm gonna keep walking. But what happens, blesses the man that doesn't start standing and listening. And then when we stand and we listen and we take on all this advice from all these other places other than Jesus and his word and and, uh, and biblical authority of people that, that have been with Jesus, we end up sitting there. And as we sit there, we become like our environment, okay? And so you see what happens when we're not consistent with God and we're consistent in going down the path of the ungodly. The author goes on to say, though, that that blessed is the man doesn't do this. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates consistently. He's, He's being consistent with the Lord. Many of us have taken God, and we and we've we've boiled it down to God. Give me a sign here. Give me a sign there. Just give me a sign. And God's like, I I tried, but the Astros stole them. I'm sorry, that was a joke. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, too soon. Too soon. Um, So, day and night, it doesn't. Consistency with Jesus. There's something that is produced when you take time every week to be in the house of the Lord. And if you're not able to be here in in the physical, that you would take time and dedicate watching online. Why? Because it's consistency. Your kids being in an inconsistent environment makes a difference in their life. Your kids being consistently here makes a difference in their life, makes a difference in your life. It's not just getting your praise on on Sunday. It's finding the consistency to live every day and night, not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. And what happens? they will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in what? Say it all locations, what? Its season. See, look at it again. It's not fruit in your season, but if you plow and you plant and you understand process and you're consistent, when the season comes, there'll be fruitfulness. And so your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting, and you will eat all the foods you want. And then we get this, we get this last promise that, that if you're not careful, you'd overlook. But it's one of like, it's the it's really probably the biggest, it's the biggest one. And it's this and you'll live in safety in your land. What does living in safety mean? Um, it doesn't mean that you've locked all the doors and that you've got your, your, your ring camera and your, your security cameras. Um, it doesn't mean that you have a certain amount of money in the bank because I can tell you, you can have riches and feel very unsafe. So it's not about the bank account, it's not about how tall the walls are, it's not about how many security cameras. You can live in safety in the land, which is number four. You can live with safety. This is a promise of the blessed life. The promises of God activated, fruitfulness, abundance, and safety. And safety comes, I mentioned this on on week two of the Better series. Safety is answering the question you've been asking since birth, and it's this, am I safe? Am am I okay? Am I gonna be all right? And really where that comes from is trust. If I trust my environment, if I trust the walls, if I trust the cameras, if I trust my spouse that when I sleep, she's not gonna you know. Not gonna sleep with one eye open, right? I trust, it creates a Everybody take a deep breath in. In, 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 out. It brings a peace, it brings a breathe easy, it brings a a safety, you know what it brings? It brings a vulnerability to my life. This This is why when Adam and Eve were made and they were naked and unashamed, they had full trust in God, they had full safety in God. And so as we do that, as we have safety in God and trust, what do we do? we're able to be as vulnerable as we can be with Jesus. But when they wanted to put things in their own hands, when they wanted to try and be God, when they wanted to take on and trust their own, trust another voice saying, ah, you don't have to follow those rules. When they wanted to see something and chase it, one one of the key elements, they saw their nakedness and they were ashamed and they hid because they didn't know if they could trust God or not. They didn't know if they could trust each other or not. They didn't feel safe. And see, the blessed life is not having that next thing. It's feeling safe. That no matter what happens, even in turmoil, even when it rains on you, and not in a way that produces crops, but it's like a hurricane, that you can be safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. Why? Because they trust the Lord is a tower. When we unpack Psalm 23 for nine weeks last year, we talked about, and he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Safety is not you living without enemies. Safety is knowing God's prepared a table. You can sit down, you can eat the grapes, and you can be surrounded by people that want to do nothing but harm you, hurt you, talk about you, gossip you, gossip about you. But you can sit and be safe in the presence of your enemies because the Lord has prepared the table. It's the Lord's house. You don't have to be scared because the Lord is your rear guard, your front guard, your side guard, and your best friend that sticks closer than a brother. So we see all this, and I want to say to you, this is just this is one layer down. But you got to be processing and plowing and planting and being consistent and trust. But you also got to keep digging, Doug. You gotta keep digging, Sue. Because down, down below the surface of all these, there's something, there's a catalyst that drives us to plowing and planting. There is this, there's this catalyst that, that pushes, propels us to follow the process laid out in the word of God. And it's, and it's this, you, you dive in and it's, it's obedience. It's obedience. See, let's go back to that scripture in Leviticus. He says, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands. If you are obedient, then you're rewarded. The only way you plow and you plant and you stay consistent is if you're obedient to take those next steps. But here in your notes, you can see there are two places we get obedience. There's a dangerous place. And when you go down to this place, I just wanna tell you, you're surrounded by baby Godzilla's. And baby Godzillas may seem sweet as babies, but do you know what happens to baby Godzillas? They grow up and they be adult Godzillas. Do you know your baby monsters in your life grow up to be big monsters? Your, your baby steps become big steps. Or we've said it like this all four weeks of the better series, your small things consistently over time become big things. And here's one that we get it we get it wrong. This is a detour. You can see that it doesn't lead anywhere. It's a dead end. But this is how many of us have learned to obey and it's in simple rule keeping. In rule keeping. Keep your nose clean, do what God says, don't make him mad at you. You better you better not, you know God's really disappointed in you upstairs. Big man upstairs, boy, if I go into church now, the walls will cave in because I've been so far gone, I haven't been keeping the rules. I haven't been a good, I haven't been a good Christian. And we think if we keep all the rules, that then we'll obey. But I can tell you, the number one metaphor God uses for the, for, for the, for the people of God is the family of God. The number one metaphor used all throughout scripture for the people of God is not the nation of Israel, is not even the body of Christ, it is the family of God. And I can tell you this, if I were to lead my home by demanding my children follow the rules, I want you to know they they, they will. But it's not enough to demand they keep the rules that will produce the kind of obedience in their life that they really need to have in their life. Let me write it down this way. Rule keeping minus relationship equals rebellion. So I can demand, this is my house, my rules. You will do what I say. You want your teeth in your mouth or in your pocket, young man? And you can demand the rules be kept. But if you don't have relationship, I, 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 I can see the future. Some point they're gonna say, I, I'm not gonna follow those rules. I'm gonna do my own thing. You will do what I say. And if your only way of keeping the rules in the house is by raising the voice louder and louder, I want you to know at some point, you're gonna dead end on that. And so what we have to do, and see this is, this is a danger for me, like I'm a baseball dad, I'm a basketball dad. Our kids are involved in sports. And you, it's so easy to look at the things they need to do better, they need to do this, they need to change that, come on. And that's okay. But if behind the scenes, I'm, I'm not building my children up saying, I love just to watch you play, whether you made zero points or 12 points, whether, whether, you, whether you got it or not, I just love that I get to spend time cheering you on. If I don't have relationship behind the demands, it will equal someday rebellion. And it's what happened to us as humanity too. God set it up, follow the rules. Why? Because he knew it was gonna take someone who could, really could follow the rules because you and I on our very best day, we couldn't do it. The apostle Paul, he realized this, wrote more books of the New Testament than any other author, and he says it like this. When it comes to rule-keeping, being, being you know, where you need to be with God by rule-keeping, here's what he says in Philippians 3. If anyone ever had reason to hope that he could save himself, it would be I. If others could be saved by what they are, by rule-keeping, certainly I could, Paul says, because here's why. I went through the Jewish initiation ceremony when I was eight days old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish home that was a branch of the old original Benjamin family. Why is that important? Because the very first king of Israel was a Benjamite named Saul. In fact, Paul's other name is Saul. He was named after the first king of Israel. And he was, he was all about the Benjamins anyway. Um, So I was a real Jew, he was an OJ, original Jew. If there ever, not an O, yeah, if there ever was one. What's more, Not only was he a real Jew, I was a member of the Pharisees, which are like the elite of the elite, and you better not, you better not laugh unless you're laughing at the devil. And and like they they just they 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 ridiculed everybody, and they 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 made sure that you were following the rules, and they demanded the strictest obedience to every Jewish law and custom, every T crossed, every I dotted, every jot and tittle. And he goes on to say, yeah, sincere, you betcha. You betcha, yes, so much that I greatly persecuted the church. Like he, he was responsible to helping have Christians persecuted and killed because it was going against their rule keeping. And I tried to obey every Jewish rule and regulation right down to the very last point. But all these things that I once thought very worthwhile, now I've thrown them all away so that I can put my trust and hope in Christ Alone, Stop trying to earn his love. He already loves you and you couldn't earn it. So no longer am I counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws, but by trusting Christ to save me for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith counting on Christ alone. See, you wanna live the blessed life? You can't be about what you do. It's who you are and it's who you are because of who he is. And so when we look at this pattern, we see that we gotta keep digging deeper. You gotta dig deeper, Doug even deeper than obedience and know that what drives your obedience isn't gonna be rule keeping because that will just equal rebellion and we see it all through the Bible. Rule keeping, rule keeping, rule keeping rebellion and God would raise up a savior. They were called judges. He would raise up a judge and they would follow after him and then they would do whatever seemed right in their own eyes. They couldn't keep the rules consistently enough, long enough, hard enough and neither can you. Your rules will not save you. so what do we need? We gotta come from the understanding that we dig down and we find we find the catalyst for obedience from love. No greater love has any man than this, than he would lay his life down for a friend. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. Um, Peter says it like this, um, uh, above all else, love one another because love covers a multitude of bad rule keeping love covers a, love covers a multitude of not obeying and when we don't obey you know what it is? It's sin when we say I'm going to do it my own way it's sin And love covers our sin. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. In 1 John 4, seven and eight says, he that loveth not knoweth not God. I'm memorizing the King James, but he that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. God is love. And so guess what? Even our love, our understanding of love, the love chapter that you heard in a wedding, you just thought it was a clever thing at a wedding. It's 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. But guess what? You aren't very patient and you aren't sometimes very kind and sometimes you do envy and sometimes you do boast because you don't have a perfect love. But guess who is love? God's love. His son is love and he covers our sin. And because of his love, listen, look Look what John says. If you love him, you'll obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. So if you're trying to follow God because you're mad, He might. you're afraid he might spank you. You're afraid he might You might go to hell, I want to tell you that's not enough, it's not enough if you're, being afraid of hell isn't enough to be a Christian but if you love him and you plow and plant and and invest in that love it, it produces the catalyst that helps you obey but even then, even then covered in his love you still get it wrong and so what do you need you don't just need his love, guess what else you need you need his grace for it's by it's not by his love that you're saved for it is by grace you have been saved it was love that brought him to the cross but it's his grace that that took him to finish the cross and for his joy to be complete in you he joys over you he endured the cross and that grace covers us by what he did not by what you ever could do. And so because of his grace, that helps us love him that much more. That amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But even when you zoom out and you want to see the blessed life and you got to dig into the to the things you got to do and you got to be obedient and and we've we've tried the rule keeping. I want to tell you it's going to be a dead end every time and you got the love and you got the grace. All of that comes from the foundation of the beautiful name it is. The powerful name it is. The name that has no rival. The name that has no equal. the, The name that conquered death, hell and the grave. The name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and so write it down. All of your blessed life is never been about you earning it. Your blessed life, it does require plowing and planting, but you don't earn it by plowing. You dig to the essence of where it all comes from, and it's the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. It is in Christ alone. He obeyed perfectly. Then he covers you and you don't. And oh, that ought to that help you love him. And because you love him, it'll help you obey. And when you obey, you'll get more consistent and feel more trusting you'll have safety in your land you'll have safety in your homes you'll have safety with your children yeah yeah your son is gone into left field but you are relying on the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the grace that's going to cover and your love and you're not just mad because they're not being a good christian like a good christian should be but you're just you're pleading not rule keeping on them you're pleading the blood of Jesus to cover them and give him the grace that's what you're praying for the life I could not live. He paid the price I couldn't pay on my own. And he has the power to resurrect and give us that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can dwell in you when you invite him into your life. So with his perfection and his sacrifice and his power It's the secret to the truly blessed life. So what are we asking you to do with that? Take next steps to rely on him. Take next steps. Get in in a community of believers that, that don't build it on rule keeping. Receive his grace because you've been living in shame because you couldn't keep the rules. But neither could I, everybody. Pastors are put on such a pedestal. I am just as imperfect as you are. Just as much issues as you have. And his grace is just as sufficient for me as it is for you. And he's faithful. The old hymn says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And the chorus says, On Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground the sinking sand and can I just say one more thing to you you may feel like you have hit rock bottom that's exactly where Jesus will meet you rock bottom he'll meet you there would you pray with me With heads bowed and eyes closed at our locations, we need to do business with God today. It's not about you plowing and planting. It's about you relying on the cross, relying on Jesus and what he paid, what he did, who he is, and who he's calling you to become because of him. If you're here, one of our locations are online, and you need to invite Jesus to be the center of your life you've been trying to keep rules. You've been trying to do this. You've been trying to do that. You've been trying to be just a good person and keep your nose clean. I'm going to tell you, it's, it's going to lead you to a dead end. But if you receive him, it's a free gift. And in your own words, you simply say right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of trying to, to do it. I can't do it. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. But you are enough. Would you save me? Would you give me a fresh start? Would you help me begin to find what it means to live by grace? and to love you more deeply, and then to obey you, and to see your fruit activated in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for not being mad at me, but for loving me so much, you gave me this moment to make things right with you. And if you're maybe praying the prayer not of salvation, but you're praying the prayer of fruitfulness in your life, or the blessed life, and maybe you've taken a detour, a wrong turn here or there, Maybe you've been dealing with some shame because you've not obeyed. Jesus wants to set you free today. He wants to give you a fresh start. If you're looking, you need you need to to reclaim the grace and the love of Jesus. If that's you in our location, just put a hand up in the air. I just need to I need to get back to the basics of trusting Him. Yeah, yeah. Father, in your own way that you know how, may we lean on you, not our own understanding in all our ways acknowledge you and you'll make our path straight and as we dig into who you are and who you've called us to be we get to experience the blessed life a blessed life of fruitfulness and safety and the promises of God and living in abundance and we receive that today in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen